Putting It Together is brought to you this week by the 6th Annual Champy Punship, the ultimate evening of wordplay. We will take eight competitors, put them through four gruelling rounds and discover who is the pun-disputed champy pun of the world. There will also be music from our resident house band, The Pun Loving Criminals. It's all happening at Oran Moor on the 16th of October at 7.30pm. Like camping, it will be intense. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. It's episode 99. How are you? Uh, I'm just looking at this week. That's not right. Oh, no, it is. It's fine. I thought I was just recording onto the wrong bit. It's a long way to explain, but I won't bother. Hey, how are you? You all right? I am officially not here. I'm on holiday. Where am I right now? I think I'm... I think I might be in Melbourne. Would I be in... No, not quite yet. I'm on my way, maybe, to Melbourne, I think. <laughs> I'm in... I'm somewhere in Thailand. I might be in Bangkok by now. Anyway, <laughs> officially, I'm away. But right now, in reality, as I say this, I am in my studio in Glasgow. Very happy to be talking to you and bringing you this week's guest, Susie Armitage, a producer extraordinaire. Uh, she did many, many years at uh, Play Pie in a Pint. She was really the first producer other than David McLennan. Uh, down there and uh, since then she's gone on to great things and she's currently working with the National Theatre Scotland and she explains a bit more about the ins and outs of that Um, it's always good for me I think to get people from different disciplines than I fully understand Um, and you'll notice when I don't because I say what does what do you do (laughs) questions questions I would never ask an actor what do you do um or you know so a lighting designer or a producer a producer excuse me (laughs) comes in uh, I do just kind of say right come on tell me explain it you know in simple terms tell me what the deal is so i kind of have done that with susie armitage and i'm glad to be bringing you the results of that so i must remind you that if you didn't get a chance to come down to the 100th episode recording not only will you get a chance to hear it next week a week from today with my wonderful guest Janie godley but you also still have a chance to contribute even though if you didn't uh, even if you didn't get a chance to buy a ticket or buy any raffle tickets on the night and you can do that uh, and at any point you can do that to help support the project uh, by going to puttingittogethercast.com looking for the yellow donate button and clicking on it uh, and in that way, you can contribute a small or large amount regularly or on a one-off basis. Um, basically, imagine that you're buying me a nice coffee. Maybe once a month, you'd like to buy me a coffee. If you if you saw me somewhere and you said, oh, there's Brian, I really like that podcast. I tell you what, I'll buy him a coffee. Hold your horses, don't do that. Just click on the yellow donate button because not only is it easier, but it actually gives back to the whole community of the podcast and it means we can create a bigger and a better product for everyone instead of just me uh, drinking coffee. There's my phone going. I'm supposed to turn it off when I'm recording. Sorry, it's off. Um, This is all about ramshackle, isn't it? But that's okay. I'm not going to retake it um, because we know each other well enough by now. So yes, uh, I'm away, but I'm not. And... I'm ready to give you the guest of the week. Before I do that, I'll just very quickly tell you that this week at Oran Moore Play Pie in a Pint is The Signalman by Peter Arnott. This is Peter's 49th play produced in Scotland since 1985, which is amazing. It's directed by Ken Alexander and it features Tom McGovern and it's uh, set in 1919 and it's about the Tay Bridge um, in Dundee. So it's sort of a companion piece, I'm told, to the Tay Bridge uh, play that was on at Dundee Rep recently, which is just closed, uh, as far as I know. Uh, so yes, there you go. Uh, definitely get down and see that. It looks to be a one-person play, which I always find interesting. Um, you know, to strip back storytelling and just and just go right into the nuts and bolts of the story. You know. So yes, I'm sad that I'll be missing that, but you can go down for me. Let me know how it is. Uh, tweet me at. Pit CC Pod. You can get me on Instagram with the same handle, or you can go on Facebook and look up Putting It Together, and we have a page there and everything. Big thanks to Rosa Duncan who's been helping me out with the social media, and uh, thanks to everyone really who made the 100th episode bash a success. Thanks for coming along, and thanks for tweeting about it and promoting it and all those wonderful things. So now I'll bring you my guest of the week. It's Susie Armitage, and she's with me, and we are Putting It Together.
there is a biscuit cupboard at work. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's that would be one of the worst things if I worked in an office. I mean, I definitely couldn't. I had a meeting in NTS yesterday and I realised yeah. that I just swear all the time. And people don't do that in those environments. I forget. Because when I'm at work, I'm like, ah, it's just fucking yeah. up yeah. there. Yeah. And no one, you know. I think I've had to learn about being in, NT- in NTS. Although it's not been as hard as I thought because uh, Robbie works at BBC and... Uh, that's all open plan offices as well. And every time I go in there, I'm like, everybody is so quiet. Right. Everyone's walking. I'm really loud. When I, but normally I'm in an office with just myself or one other person. Right, right, right. And, uh, yeah. So when we first met, you were the producer or were you assistant producer or more? I, start, I, I started off as trainee producer and oh, then right. I was assistant producer and then I was associate producer and then I was co-producer and then I was producer <laughs> that's quite a journey yeah all the titles <laughs> when did the trainee thing start like, what year was that it was in 2008 and it was a scheme that was funded by stv so oh, right because of course the Oramore didn't have any money like, no and they were unfunded at the time as well so. yes yes right. um uh so yes this the scheme was funded by stv and part of my job was to read unsolicited uh, scripts had been submitted to STV. Oh, right. Um, uh, and there was like a bigger partnership between STV and Play Pine and Pine. And, okay. Yeah. And how was that? Did you read an awful lot of terrible things? or I read an awful lot of uh, versions of Taggart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, some, I can imagine. Yeah. They go, what sells? Yeah. What's always worked on STV? Yeah. yeah. Right. I could do that. I could and do it better. <laughs> they were scripts for telly that you were reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that you were partly doing that and partly doing the trainee stuff at Oramore. It was mostly the, the Oramore stuff, but that right. was part of the. So then, did you the start? They start giving you the scripts, the unsolicited scripts for Oramore stage stuff. And go. Oh, I had them that from the start oh, as right. well. Yeah, You're yeah, that yeah. Person now. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. What, I mean, what kind of range of of quality would you say there was at that time for Oramore? Yeah. The what? Uh, oh God, trying to think back. There was a there was a relatively big range. If you compare it to TV, mm-hmm. there's much higher quality for theatre. I guess. Really? Bec- yeah, I think just because maybe you have to more actively engage. If people go into the theatre are already maybe slightly more yes engaged in that medium, and so to think right, I'm going to write something for that medium. It's quite an active. It's quite an active. To be involved uh, um. But yeah, there there was a there was there was quite a there's a big range. Yeah, the, and the the policy of a play pine a pine or a more is to be as open as possible. True. So therefore, you kind of wanted scripts from as uh, from as uh, many people as possible and from different experiences. So yeah, w- within that there is a big you know range of and people are getting their start there. Yeah, and that's the kind of the idea. Yeah. So do people? Do you reckon people just watch TV and go? I could write. Yes. Really? And then they send it in? <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. So do they write episodes for existing shows as well? Because I've heard of people doing that, like fans kind of. I don't remember reading. I don't remember reading that. It was more right. like people New were stuff. like, I've got a series under. In, this is a series. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to speak to them all or do you? God, no. Not I mean, everyone I, gets it was, a letdown. It was definitely, I was just given like the unsolicited stuff. So I just had to write script reports and right. pass it up to... <laughs> somebody else yeah so did anything ever cross your desk that later went on to become well known or anything like that no i don't i mean there were things that i read that i thought oh this is good this is worth another read this is worth right. developing but i i, I mean i can't remember right. anything that I nothing read that's like it on, on tv, TV right now yeah no i didn't <laughs> okay. discover uh, yeah. okay all right fair enough wow <laughs> it's all these all the sort of machinations that go on behind the scenes that we yeah. don't think about yeah um so what was your journey up to that point so I started my theatre career working at the Tron Theatre. Right. Uh, initially working in the Tron Bar, and then I, and I was at that time I th- thought I wanted to work in TV production. So I was mm-hmm. doing like an internship during the day and working in the bar at night. At the, um, but it was at the time when Neil Murray was at the Tron, and I I loved it, and I went to see everything that was on. Mm-hmm. And then I think somebody went on holiday, and I covered their the admin post while they were on holiday and then they right. left and I got offered a job and I was like oh my god I just I could just work like normal daytime hours and get <laughs> right. paid for it and wow. uh yeah and uh and I was at the Tron for a long time I I think I, once I started I then saw what Neil was doing and thought yeah I, 
mm-hmm. yeah I'd quite like that job okay. and uh and had loads of different job titles at the Tron as well I was admin assistant and education and development assistant and artistic associate and yeah <laughs> I, I, I think there were a lot there were four artistic directors while I was there so every time a new artistic oh, right. director came in I changed my job title and did something slightly different uh, and then when Andy Arnold started I really realized like I'd realized I need a new job and right. uh, or I need to change what I'm doing and he'd offered me a job programming the smaller spaces at the Tron part-time mm. And I think it was Paddy Canine had said to me, oh, why don't you speak to David McLennan at Odomore? I think he could do with some help. So I got in touch with David and uh, he said, oh, yes, yes, I do, I do need some help. But, um, right. but it'd be full time. And I said, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So that was good. And then I waited for weeks for him to like send me a contract or something. And uh, <laughs> and he didn't. And then I realised, oh, yeah, it's a different sort of affair. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, come and help. Yes. Yeah. When can you <laughs> so start? So I phoned him back up and I was like, are you sure that, about this job offer? Oh, yes, yes, yes. When can you start? I'm like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> just come down here right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So when you started out at the Tron and you were doing admin and stuff, uh-huh. did you have a feeling that y- you were involved, you were... Um, a, a small cog in, a, in an important machine that you were helping it all to go along in your own small way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there was a really lovely ethos and environment in the Tron at that time where it didn't feel very hierarchical. It, it felt mm-hmm. like everybody was part of the same team and working towards the That's same cool. goals and everybody was involved in trying to make the work happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I remember things like uh, when we did... San Diego, I think it was. I remember that production. Uh, and being an extra on stage. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and getting involved in all these different like little bits and pieces. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a really, it was a good time, everyone. And it was quite a small team at the Tron as well. So I yeah. think we got to kind of um, know everybody and everybody for the most part really got on and mm. yeah because i always wonder whenever i just happen on the offices back you know behind the theater you know is this like a separate world and and you know they don't feel that connected to what's going on out the other side or you know but you're yeah. saying actually no it does feel like we're all kind of pulling in the same direction which yeah certainly at that scale it definitely felt like right. that i can imagine much bigger organizations yeah it can feel you could maybe feel more distance from yeah, the stuff happening on stage yeah. but so when you got to Oramore, what kind of state was it in? Um, That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> what was the landscape like, is the way they would say it? So there was just David. Mm, doing uh, everything, really. Doing everything. We we produced fewer plays than we eventually ended up producing, but right. it was still, it was a lot of work. And uh, so, yeah, I just kind of hit the ground running and mm. it was a sort of weird mix between uh there being loads of work and like people would phone you up on a sunday night and you'd need to, to change something for the the monday or right. there was a lot there was a lot of like reacting to because the time skills are so short mm. but also that much kind of freer attitude so you know sometimes after a show Dave would be like would you like a glass of wine I'm like it's three o'clock I've still got to do like biops and okay I don't think yeah. he was bothered about those yeah. uh, delineations no. very much was he no so yeah where were they rehearsing in those days oh we've uh there were so many so different, many different spaces, so many right? different rehearsal spaces I've uh, been to some of them but not even all I mean when I started we were rehearsing in the Lansdowne Church oh right which is now Webster's Theatre yeah, yeah. it was um not like it is now no it was, uh, even when people started using it as the theater as the uh, webster's it, i heard it was pretty grim right uh, yeah so no uh, toilets yeah. no dressing no room. there were, there was uh yeah and there, were, there were homeless people sometimes that were in the church at the same time which is fine it's a sheltered oh, wow. place but yeah it was lots of people coexisting yeah yeah right. and then you would traipse along the road to the and then, and then we'd yeah traipse along wow. yeah and were there always at that time two plays rehearsing 
Well, one was on or was it slightly? Yes. Right. Yeah. So there were two spaces in that church hall? Yeah, one was really small. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're hoping you're going to get... Did people graduate to the big one for their second yes, week? Yes, yes. Because everything I've ever done has always had instruments in it, so we tended to get the big space for, for the, the two, two weeks. weeks. It's a bit of a treat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not the same now. It's kind of, There's a bit more, a wee bit more space. Yeah. Yeah, but then yeah. at some point we were rehearsing in somebody's flat, I think. There, yeah, there's been a couple of flats. There yeah. was a flat up uh, Sanda Street off there that we rehearsed in for a while. There was mm-hmm. a flat off uh, Woodlands Road. Oh, the basement one. The basement one. The one that's in the documentary. The one that's in the documentary. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I watched the documentary again. Oh, I was so, like, it was so grim. Oh, that flat was really grim. <laughs> it was cold and damp. I had that humidifier all the time. Yeah, yeah. And the kitchen was. There was no hot water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> rehearsal space has always been a challenge for Oren Warren. I believe they've got a space now that is a bit more yeah, stable right. and is and is a bit better. Uh, and there's been a wonderful attitude from everybody yeah. to to muck in and get on with it. And we always tried to make it as hospitable as possible within the constraints. But it was always a complete and utter challenge. And, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when I started out, we were rehearsing at the sets. And that yes, was a bit of a that. treat, actually, because... We were up in the attic thing, which was a lovely big room. Yeah. And then you had the kitchen and all. Yeah, I quite liked it. It was kind of cool. Yeah. You're not near the, of course, you're not near the venue. You're not near the venue. And I think for Colin, it sort of felt that it was, it was happening. The rehearsals were happening elsewhere and he, he he wanted it to be within the body of the building, which I can understand, but. It'd be nice if everything was in the building, of course. Yeah. But, But, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was quite nice to be in that theater space and yeah. have that support from the sets as well they were uh they were very supportive yeah. yeah so your job title now you have to remind me so currently i am head of artistic development at the national theater of scotland right and then that's a temporary role i'm covering part of caroline newell's job while she mm-hmm. is stepping up to uh, cover the artistic director role while jackie's off on maternity leave I see so. i see so then, does that mean that whenever Jackie comes back, you are doing something different, or uh, when Jackie comes back, uh, that's the end of my post. So oh, right, okay. I will be doing something different. Something yes. different. <laughs> and we shall see what that yeah, is. Yeah. So what on earth does that involve then? Uh, involves uh, looking after all the work that's in development uh, that's not going into production in, in the next season for next year ah, see. Uh, and also managing the artist development program so there's an artist development producer so it's just managing all the work and uh, there's in development and the artists uh, artist ah. development program and also some of the strategic uh, goals of the organization in terms of worker and uh, minority languages and oh. uh, things like that so so there's a whole wing dedicated really to stuff that isn't coming up in the next year but that yeah. is in the works Yes, because it takes, you know, some stuff can take yeah. years and years in development or uh, and planning. And especially if you're looking at producing work at scale or stuff that's ambitious in different, in different ways or working with artists that are busy or mm-hmm. work away or bringing different groups of artists together mm-hmm. uh, or supporting artists that are, you know, earlier in their career to kind of m- move forward towards work that might be appropriate for the programme. So, yeah, yeah, in time, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. What would what would we tiny wee ten year old Susanna think if she was able to sort of meet you now and see what you're doing? Would uh, it match up? Do you think with her expectations? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think ten year old Susanna would have had. Well, I mean, ten year old Susanna might not exactly understand what you're doing. I don't know because yeah. I'm barely understanding it. But <laughs> I just wonder <laughs> me, if me she'd be like, "Hey, you're working. At, you know, you're doing that thing that you wanted to do, or what?" I, I no, I think when I was ten, it wasn't, it wasn't an an ambition. I, I don't mm. think I'd really uh, clocked theatre hugely at that oh, age. Right. When I was maybe when I was like six, my dad was in. The Open Operatic Society. Are you from Open? Uh, I, 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 no, I was born in Glasgow. I lived in Open for a while mm-hmm. and then moved to Black Isle. Ah, uh, right. But I was in a pantomime and I remember being transfixed by the fact, A, that my dad was on stage and that also I was on stage and oh, cool. could go backstage. But outside of that, until I got to high school, I didn't really... Yeah. It wasn't... I played the violin, and so I guess that was probably more of my focus. Right, Actually, okay. all the way through school, probably, playing the fiddle. Was... The fiddle or the violin? Uh, 
probably mostly fiddle, I would okay. say. Yeah. I suppose if you're living in the Black Isle, like. Yeah. I mean, I did. I was a member of the Inverness Fiddlers Society, but I also played for the Highland Regional Youth Orchestra, but probably fiddle music was more of my interest. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. So then you see your dad on stage and you're on stage with him. It's it's an experience I had as a kid as well, believe it or not. Yeah, my parents played the Ugly Sisters. Oh, wow. (laughs) My dad didn't shave. Um, (laughs) But then you you developed this fascination with the idea of being able to go backstage. Yes. Which is similar to me as well. Yeah. What, What was that like? It was magical. Yeah. They had uh, they had all the diluted orange juice that you could drink. And, uh, <laughs> Did you think, this is what theatre's all wow, about? Wow, this is exciting. <laughs> That's amazing. Because uh, I was wee and everyone else was grown up. Like right. I got treated quite nice and I got taken, you know, up the gods to watch the oh, show and stuff. Cool. Like, oh, yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. Where was that? So I think it must have been in the Corrin Halls. I guess so, yeah. I didn't um, know if there was another theatre yeah. that way. Yeah. So you were up in the balcony and you thought you're king yeah. of the world. Or... Look at this, yeah. Brilliant. I had that same thing. I had this weird kind of fascination with, you know, like on TV, how behind the camera looks totally different to what we see on the... Yes. You know, like, and there's like cables everywhere and it's all... And like, that's not yeah. even a real sofa. It doesn't even have an end to it. Yes. It's just out of shot. Yeah. That whole thing, I don't even know how you describe it, fascinated me as a kid. Yeah. I think it still fascinates me. I still, yeah. like... Like if you go to visit a theatre and you get taken back to the offices mm-hmm. uh, for a meeting, you're like, oh god, this is what it looks like, you know. Yeah. Or I had a meeting in the Gallery of Modern Art the other day, and I was like, oh look, this is what it looks like behind the. Right. Uh, yeah. It's like a wee secret. Like yeah. the people that come to see the show don't know about yeah. this. I kind of even like standing in the wings and thinking, right, I'm here. Like I'm so close to them, but they don't know I'm here. Like yeah. I'm waiting to go on. Yeah. And they're getting in this <laughs> secret world. Yes. Yeah. So did you go to see other theatre? Uh, when when I was when you were a kid, like uh, yeah, I I don't remember when I was r- really when I was really wee. I remember things like going to see the singing kettle or the clown jewels or those kind of things. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And then uh, when I was a bit older, maybe like touring shows uh, and and stuff that would come to the school as well. So yeah, yeah. like Borderline Seven Eighty Four. Scottish sure. Opera, they used to come out and do oh, stuff right. at the school. So, yeah, and pantomime. We'd go and see the pantomimes. And did you do you remember having that same feeling of like, wow, or or, or was it just par for the course? Was it another school trip? Do you think? I remember thinking. I remember feeling that the pantomimes in Eden Court were quite magical. And my one of my school friends was a dancer, and she used to be a community like a a kid dancer in the pantomimes. Right. And I uh, I remember thinking that was very glamorous and oh, showbiz. yeah she had like an autograph from Andy Gray <laughs> and I thought that was <laughs> that was super <laughs> glamorous so you yeah. went to see her oh yeah we'd go and see her and be like oh there's, there's Laurie <laughs> and did you think like I should be up there no you just enjoyed seeing her <laughs> yeah right okay yeah so was there a moment do you think when you uh, had a feeling like I want to be involved in this but I don't want to be the person on the stage uh we used to in high school, we, you couldn't study drama or anything at the time. I'm not sure whether you can do it now. You can do it, I know, through Eden Court, but I don't know right. what it was offered in schools. But we had a kind of drama club that we did on a Friday afternoon. And then we did some school shows. And I did really enjoy performing in those. Mm-hmm. But I, like, I always knew I'm quite a quiet person. That mm-hmm. This is, yeah, this is not where I okay. am naturally going to be. Uh, and no, I don't think I had any vision that oh well what else could I do behind the stage at that point I think I was like I just really enjoy this I just enjoy this environment this is a fun thing to do and then when I was looking at going to university I wanted to go and study something that I hadn't been able to study in school so I wanted something new so I applied to do and I'd got into study international relations at St Andrews Uni or theatre studies at Glasgow Uni. I don't really know. I was like, those sound interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not that similar. Uh, and then I thought I'd rather go to Glasgow for uni than go to St Andrews. Uh, so I'll do theatre studies. Wow. Was, so based on location. Basically based on what I thought my social life might be like. <laughs> wow. Uh, and and it very much, I just went into it with a really open, like, I, I just want to learn something new. I want yeah, to... Yeah. Um, see what this is like yeah so i suppose it wouldn't be anything like the 
drama club or anything when you got to no. theatre studies? No, it was it was both fascinating and quite daunting, I think, when I started. And I and I think the course was sort of designed to to be like that at the start, to kind of wake it up right. uh, uh, and say these are all the different things that theatre can be. Okay. And, uh, like you've never thought of this or you might never yeah, experience like, yeah. yeah. And and I, I did feel at a slight disadvantage because I think most other people that started the course had studied drama in school. Sure. And, you know, I'd never heard of Stanislavski or Brecht or I was mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> uh, but I remember also just being completely like blown away by uh, by things that we saw in the first year. Like uh, I remember watching videos of DV8 and thinking, yeah. oh my God. Oh, this is, I'd never, wow. It's like there's a whole world out there yeah. that I didn't know anything yeah. about. Yeah, I definitely had that experience. Yeah. But that, that same thing of like, here you are and now we're going to terrify the life out of yes. you and sort of pull you apart. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much I agree with that. The ethos of that, that personal soul-bearing kind of stuff that young, you know, new new people on courses are, are expected to do. I don't know. Yeah, because I think you need to have a certain level of self-confidence and to maybe start with, to yeah. start with and yeah. then and then, and so quite quickly you could see who the stars of the class were going to be like right. yeah, but so was it a lot of people who wanted to perform then um no because it's more of a theoretical course theater right. studies so i think it was people that were coming at it from lots of or who have ended up going into theater in lots of different ways right. so uh quite a few of my friends are now teachers or I was at uni at the same time as like Davy Anderson and mm. Liam Hurley and right. uh, so people that have yeah, gotten into uh, Jackie was like a year or two above me. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, was that, uh, isn't that what Vicky Featherstone did as well? I don't know actually. John Tiffany, I think. Uh, John did. Yeah. He said it at Glasgow definitely. Yeah. So yeah. They were, yeah. A few years before yeah. and Gabe Quigley. Yeah. A lot of good, a lot yeah. of good folks. Yeah. Good company to keep. So did you write loads of essays? I did, yes. I couldn't bear that. We had to do that as well and I just... What did you I did uh, contemporary theatre practice. Ah, yeah, right. And there was a whole kind of academic bit to it that I just was so bad at. In (laughs) fact, the best comment I ever got in a margin was, you're not null coward. (laughs) (laughs) I just used to write this flowery rubbish but there was no like there was no content and i didn't really do the reading or anything so i'm just sort of trying you know while people with with my yeah with that sort of rhetoric yeah but i mean i was 18 and you know i think because i had seen a simon callow do a one-man show i thought i could talk for britain brilliant you're not no coward i didn't have a clue yeah i yeah totally agreed as well yeah 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 so what happens you go and see stuff you and then you like critique it and stuff like that i mean uh, yeah, I mean, there there were modules were all on different sort of areas of theatre. So there was right. a lot of uh, like reading and secondary reading and a lot of like uh, critical theory that you mm-hmm. had to read and, and write right. about stuff. And you also, there was a practical element to the course. I remember you had to do stuff, performances. <laughs> <laughs> so you did do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't follow it all the way through to honours, so I'm look. I'm thinking back to first and second year, and then right. in yeah, honours, all I did was studied the because my degrees in Scottish literature, so I did the Scottish theatre module. So ah. you know, Robert David Macdonald or twentieth okay. century Scottish theatre, things like that. So oh, I see. So yeah. does that mean you're superiorly? Is that a word? Supremely knowledgeable about a, a slice of theatrical history then. i don't know if i would use the word supremely knowledgeable <laughs> or that you should be maybe. i should be maybe yeah. <laughs> do you still read a lot uh yes yes i do yeah yeah do you read to as to go further into work or as an escape i hmm, that's interesting i think i read i i, I read plays normally within a work context mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. i find it uh, most enjoyable, most useful if I'm reading it with a purpose to be able to see it on stage. So I do read novels and other stuff, you know, non-fiction, yep. maybe more as a, yeah, as an escape. But then I have read novels and things and then brought them to the stage or so. Yeah, I, I read suppose, yeah. Hinterland by Caroline Brothers mm-hmm. and then brought it to Jamie and Candace at Vox Notice and said, I think you guys should read this. 
I think uh-huh. there's a I think there's a there's a there's a play in this. Oh, cool. Uh, so, so does your mind take over in that kind of way where you think, hmm, who could, could I, who could I pass this on to? Could or? I? Could this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes I read stuff just, you know, to switch off. <laughs> a bit of chewing gum. Yeah. <laughs> Do you watch bad telly? Uh, I don't watch a huge amount of TV, actually. Uh, I'm not one of those... Like, I like watching TV with, uh, with Robbie, with my partner. Mm-hmm. On my own, I kind of... I probably don't bother. Yeah. Uh, I find it it's more of a social thing. So I don't watch a huge amount. Uh yeah, but I do enjoy I do enjoy a yeah. good old yeah. Do you know what? I've never thought of it as a social thing, but now you mention it, I tend to drift from it when I'm on my own. Yeah. I can't like I settle on. on something. No, I'm mm. like, yeah. And then I can easily halfway through a thing just turn it off. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if I'm with people like, let's watch this. Yeah. Or like tonight I'd be like, Oh, can we watch another episode of Right. Yeah. You sort of invest in it more, yeah. don't you? Yeah. That's interesting. So do you, I mean, obviously you're never out of the theatre with work. What happens in your spare time? Do you ever go to things that you're not like invited to or mandated to go to? Uh, yes. You still yes. enjoy just going as a punter? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I think it was quite uh, useful for me uh, bo- both times when I sort of stepped away from theatre uh, to have my kids. Mm. Because before that, I was going you know, several times a week yeah. and actually not being able to go to the theatre for a while and then coming back to see stuff and actually just being excited to be out of an evening and to be going to the theatre and to just be able to watch something. I was like, oh, this is... It's important to remember because I think you can become like like hypercritical of stuff or ever yeah. so slightly you're like, oh, well, it's not as good as the last night or I've got... To, and it, it's good to be refreshed to be like this is a really yeah it's a really privileged thing that you're able to to do a lot it and is, it's a yeah. and it's a treat for you know for audiences and people yeah. are yeah investing in a you know a good night out so <laughs> good night yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a renewed sort of gratitude yeah. for it that's really yeah. nice yeah i never thought of that um because i get i'm a bit jaded as well yeah. and like I, I do find myself kind of disappointed by quite a lot of yeah. what i see not because I think it's inherently bad, but because like I kind of I feel like I'm on the search for the thing that's going to reconnect you to right that's, that I'm really going to love. Yeah, and you get something you go, yeah, that's kind of eighty percent of what yeah. I'm looking for, but yeah. I couldn't tell you exactly what it is I'm looking for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's easy to be a bit jaded with it, isn't it? And just yeah, I like, think so. Oh, it wasn't quite yet. Didn't quite hit the mark. But I think as well, you engage with it if you go and see a lot and you work in it. You engage with it in a different level. Like when I go and see gigs or music, I love it. Mm. And I, but I connect to it on an emotional level. I'm not really critiquing it. I mean, yeah, if it sounds true. really bad, I'm like, oh, it sounds, or I, or I don't like the venue. But generally, I'm like, oh, this is just amazing. Yeah, that's true. Whereas we I, get away with nothing in yeah, the theatre. You go, yeah. what was that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> up to there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think it's for then? What is theatre for for you? What is it for, or who yeah. is it for? No, or? what is it for? Like, what is its purpose? Its purpose is to uh look at and and express the world in a in a creative way Mm -hmm. but it has a very specific because it's for an audience it's for a group of people it's a collective experience so it's for i mean not you can obviously there's individual experiences but in general and even that though is performer and audience so there's always a sense of engagement Mm -hmm. that's immediate that is different to going to an exhibition or or reading a novel uh Everybody, everybody is engaged in this discussion and this yeah. story or this experience, this provocation, whatever, whatever form it it, it takes, yeah. and it can take so many different forms. I think as well that is uh, that it it opens up so much for uh, people as artists to explain and explore and dissect and the world, and for audiences to engage and enjoy and. Have a good time, or come away questioning things, or being able to like uh, look at ideas presented in different creative forms. So, mm-hmm. I should have known you'd have a great answer to that. <laughs> I've asked, I've asked people that before, and often actors are like, um, I don't know, and they have to have a good old think about it because we're so kind of, I think, engaged in the nuts and bolts of it all the time. Yeah, that it's we don't as often zoom out, but you you seem to maybe have a broader view on maybe what's going on. Well, maybe. Because I also also had like, a, you know, programming jobs and stuff. So I'm looking at like what 
Yeah. What 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 do we put on stage? And what you know? Yeah. And, and then and, what comes after that? And when what comes after blocks. that? And what what's the bigger picture? Or, yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Do you, how much do you think the landscape of it has changed in the time that you've been in the business? Mm. It's changed probably quite a lot in positive and negative ways. Mm. So I guess when I started out, there wasn't a National Theatre of Scotland, True. for instance, and that. I think has been a massively positive um, addition to the Scottish theatre environment, uh, not just because they're currently employing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in general. Um, I think I think they're. I think funding is hard at the moment. I think uh, there seems to be levels of unhappiness and and stress around artists, especially freelance artists making work that mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it was just something I wasn't aware of when I was younger or is something that is more prevalent now or we're talking about or it we're more. talking about it more which it is, is possible is, I think. Yeah, yeah yeah so uh and but what I think is a constant an ever-changing constant mm. is the variety of work uh and the variety of artists uh, that we have here I think and I think we're especially fortunate in Scotland to have such a rich range of creative people working together to make work and yeah that has been an yeah an ever-evolving constant where there are there's always so many wonderful voices and people wanting to make work so definitely yeah, yeah. I, I feel that and then I suppose one of the questions I'm always kind of asking myself, mm-hmm. or it's mulling around my head, I guess, is like, what what is our responsibility as artists? And I mean that broadly, like me, you, everybody in the National Theatre of mm-hmm. Scotland and everyone, whatever. What do you think that, that is? I think we have a responsibility, a collective responsibility to represent the world we live in. Mm. And so I think that means across all the different sorts of uh, people in society so uh, I think yeah I think there is a res- responsibility to uh, to respond to what's in the world and also for I guess the organizations that make work to to represent the the diversity of 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 our society yeah on its stages uh, and I think don't know like responsibility beyond that i think we have a responsibility to be honest Mm, uh, and to and just and and to be creative but yeah 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 i mean i think your the the diversity thing is so Mm. much a so much a big key like particularly in recent times Mm -hmm. um i wonder like for me it's Sometimes it's tricky, I think, because you, you say, say for example, right, if I'm mm-hmm. doing a, a Christmas show or a yes. panto, I'm always, it makes me really aware of what my responsibility and I mean, on a day-to-day basis is, because you see like little kids come along yeah. and they're wide-eyed and looking at you and they're kind of expectant and you think, I can't let them down. Yeah. This is a, this is a, for, for this moment, this is like a really big thing for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't often get a chance to think about our wider responsibility. That's why it's nice uh, to No, but you're about right it. about the day-to-day responsibility as well, because actually everybody's invested their time and their money mm. to come and see the work that's put on. Yeah. And in addition, if you work in the subsidised sector, it's taxpayers' money that you yeah, are, are really using to put it on stage. So there really, really is a responsibility to be the absolute best that, yeah. That, that we could possibly be yeah, yeah i mean it's often even occurred to me that i'm sort of in a in a, a wing of the service industry by the mm-hmm. time i'm in a long run and especially a christmas show you just think i know exactly what i'm supposed to do and the best thing i can do is is be completely prepared and do that to the 100 percent you know best of my ability because i'm actually given a service that these people have invested time and money to have yeah. right yeah yeah it's sort of strange but i guess that's and I guess there's a responsibility, like you don't know what effects you have had on all those yeah. audience members. Well, if you you've know? clicked just one thing into yeah. place, you've kind of done it anyway. But who knows if there's hundreds of them? Mm. Yeah. You went, I mean, what, what, do you th- what do you think was your first ever experience in a theatre? Just to go back. I don't know. It must have been like going to see my dad in Oban 
I can't remember. Oh, really? Before I, you were on? I, I can't remember. Well, I think he maybe did shows before I was in one. Mm-hmm. But that was when I was like five or six. What did you do, like musicals? They were like, it was pantomimes or musicals. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember pantomimes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think he even, even did it for very long, but obviously it really stuck in my head. But yeah. that, I mean, I can't really remember very much about being much younger than that. So uh, yeah. those would be my first memories. I think I've told this on the show before, but I think my first memory of going to see a panto that wasn't like in the community hall that mom and yeah. dad were in was at the Kings and Jared Kelly oh, did you go and was playing. I think it was Wishy Washy. And as the tabs are about to hit the deck, he put a thumbs up and he looked at me. And he pointed because I was sitting in the front row for some reason. I don't know how that happened, and I remembered it for years because I thought, subconsciously thought, well, he's never done that before. That that was a special, yeah. And I really believed that it was a special thing just for me, and no one's ever had that before. Aww. It stuck with me for such a long time to the point where I'd do that now if I get a chance Aww. to see that sp- spot a little kid and give them like a special kind of like. It's me and you, kid. That's lovely. It's so sweet yeah. like, to think how much it affected yeah. me. It's amazing. And then you know. Obviously, a giant in his in his field. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's a yeah. lovely memory. So your little kiddies are still well. One of them's still a baby. Yes. One is a sort of toddler. Yes. What do they? What excites them? Do they go and see stuff yet? Yeah, yeah. Really, I've dragged them along to stuff. Really, I, what I, do they see? Uh, well, I take uh, Edie's three now, so I take her along to you know kids shows so we went to see I think the last thing we went to see was like a circus show at uh, at the festival but I've taken Polly I took her to a baby circus show um Little Top it was lovely Aww. um uh at the festival and she loved that but when she was like five or six weeks old I also took her to uh to see a show that, just, that I wanted to see at platform uh right. the Trojan so <laughs> she 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 was initiated quite early on she just had to just be there just be there yeah <laughs> like yeah. a lump it yeah <laughs> <laughs> well do you know what there's also theater for dogs did you know this no yes my ex <laughs> took the dog and my parents dog to see a dog show but not a dog show you know what i mean a, 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 a performance show for dogs for dogs two actors bright colors treats noise that dogs would like wow and a load of dogs there to see it That's... she said it was like 10 minutes long <laughs> And then afterwards, the old dogs all just hang out and have a roll about in that. Did you know? I mean, who knew? Talk about diversifying. Your audience face. Listen, you go back to that NTS and you tell them. look, this is a market, a corner of the market we're not capturing. Yeah. (laughs) So I suppose a lot of the the National Theatre of Scotland's remit is about getting work to places that it doesn't normally get to. Mm -hmm. Do you have involvement in that? Um. In a sense, when looking at, I guess, developing ideas uh, for productions that could that could go into different ahead. spaces, yeah. I uh, yeah. But I I guess because my remit's more developing the work, so I d- it's not so much in terms of the program planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, there is you know when we're looking at bringing shows in to develop, we're looking at you know what could do rural touring, what could do number ones, what could do yeah. yeah. Is there ever a conversation in within the organisation about there being a centralised theatre, a space? Uh, no, I think I think it's a central tenant of the company that, that they're a theatre without walls. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, because you do. I mean, that's I don't know. It's often crossed my mind, and mm-hmm. obviously that's the kind of strapline, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So there's an obvious uh, juncture in your career coming up, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Where would you like it to go next? Well, that's that's interesting. Uh, well, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing at the moment, mm. so I would like to, and I've missed that, which is a, you know, a part that of my job that I had at uh, Over More, where it it was about, I guess, artist development and and programming and deal and interacting with lots of different artists. Uh, so I would like to be able to continue that in some way. Um, I have also been the producer for Vox Motus for since two thousand and eight as well. And so, so you do like freelance work. So as I well. do freelance work as well. So right. um, uh, I would hope to be able to con- yeah to continue depending on what you know what what comes up. Uh, I've also um, got a, a 
forming a new collective uh-huh. uh, with uh, Lewis Hetherington and Matt Adicott. Uh, so we're doing our first event um, at the end of September. We're doing, uh, I don't think we've, this, <laughs> we're doing a series of uh, readings called Quirk of International uh, Queer Plays in uh-huh. uh, categories books in, uh, in the South Side. And then we hope that we might develop some uh, other works uh, so there's that and then I don't know another couple there's other opportunities out there that I've, I've I'm mulling over but right. yeah so do you Who think knows? you might go like do the do the freelance thing or would you be more into like having a having a base I it, it depends on what form so I I I like having a proper investment and feel like I'm responsible for an organization yeah so I'm not so interested in oh I'll just plan a tour for you or just do that like that kind mm. of ad hoc freelance I mean I don't have a job I mean I, I can do it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to yeah, do it I would like to do it yeah. but uh but no I'm more interested in uh in working for and with you know maybe it's a couple of organizations but right, right, right. more that approach than to have lots of different projects and short-term things so yeah yeah yeah. do people still send you stuff like personally you know because of your all your time and or more reading and things like that because i was just thinking Mm. i'm working on this treatment and i would like you to have a look at it no (laughs) people do that yeah yeah they know that you've done so much of it. yeah people do uh does it drive you mental no no because it's not you know it's not the volume of stuff that i was looking at or more was and it one time you were just buried under it like uh, yeah when i was like i can't, I can't, I can't possibly anymore. read any more plays <laughs> <laughs> i can't uh, imagine how you would even begin but uh no i enjoy it and also i think that they're like i think i have a responsibility to be engaged with other people and then the sector yeah. so always you know if i can do That's stuff interesting. i suppose in the same way that people might ask me to go through a song with them on the piano yeah and you and like yeah, we want to. We're all helping each other, aren't we? Yeah. So I yeah. try and kind of say yes when I can. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll just be brave and turn my treatment over to you then. Yeah, I do. I'll give it a read. <laughs> um. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> do you? I mean, you must encounter. You must have encountered some some tricky situations trying to give feedback to people, though. Yes, yeah, sometimes. Because not it's everyone's hard. completely receptive. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also I think you've got to be really careful with people's emotions and people's uh because it takes a lot a to write something or to create something and mm. then to put it out there so and the reasons that you maybe uh reject an idea or don't take it forward mm. are can be can be very varied and it can be because don't think it's very good but i've never say that course, but also yeah, it can be like this is not to my taste or this wouldn't fit in this environment or you don't have enough money or don't like there's there are many reasons but I'm, I'm very aware i hope i'm always respectful of people and i try and give as much positive feedback without giving maybe false encouragement if it's not appropriate or to signpost people to different avenues it's a tricky job it's it's hard but it's hard because you know you're giving you're it's hard when you've got that sort of gatekeeper i guess Yes. that you're like oh i can say yes or no it's that it's a responsibility to that that's yeah when you were or more did you find people tr- like schmoozing with you like treating you definitely because <laughs> they think that they can get a job it's off like you? i've suddenly got so many pals right did you actually have that <laughs> uh yeah yeah um, yeah it's weird yeah. eh yeah I've, it's only happened to me once or twice i've directed a little thing and then someone's gotten wind of it and then yeah. like, hey, how are you? hey. Like, yeah. i've not met you yeah. oh and then you oh. go of course yeah yeah Wow. So I suppose you just have to field that and yeah, you know, yeah. be nice and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get it so much anymore. <laughs> no, I suppose yeah. you wouldn't. I suppose you wouldn't. Oh, well. All the mm. best with the changes when they come. Thanks. How much longer have you got? Till Christmas. Oh, End well, of the year. You'll yeah. be all right. Yeah. Plenty Same of time. Yeah. And then you must keep us up to date when the, the readings are happening. Quirk. Yes, I will. Did I you will. say end of September? It's the end of September. So it's the 27th, 28th and 29th. It's the bank holiday weekend. Tell me the name of the place again. Uh, category is Books. It's Where in Govan Hill. Oh, Govan Hill, right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, so, and you, I presume you'll be tweeting about it and so on. Uh, yes. Right, great. Well, make sure you tag us and we'll give you a wee... Brilliant, thank you. Tweet for what it's worth. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for coming to talk to me. Brilliant. Thanks, Brian.
Susie Armitage there. A lovely Susie. I've known her for years. Um, I suppose she almost gave me my first job. I think McLennan actually gave me the job. Um, yeah, I actually... The audition was in his flat, in his front room. Uh, and, and Dave Anderson was there too. And it was in the afternoon. I went in and they were sitting around the table. They must have just had lunch or something. And um, I chatted to them. And then they asked me to sing a song. And I sat at the piano. And the piano was out of tune. Um, and I just sort of adjusted the key and sang for them and then McLennan said to me right you've got the gig if you want it and uh, I did and I was so excited I mean I really thought that I had I had cracked it because um, I had three weeks work um, in a play a pie and a pint and it was the 250th play a pie and a pint it was called the Jean-Jacques Rousseau show and it was also starring Julia Todovan, Kirsten McLean, uh, Dave Anderson and George Drennan I believe yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the company, um, directed by McLennan himself, and it was it was co-written by a whole collective of writers, um, Kieran Hurley, uh, Julia herself, um, and we all contributed, and Gary McNair, um, Alan Bissett, I think, and I mean dozens of others that I couldn't even. It would be I'm sorry that I don't mention them all, but anyway, yeah, that was that was really kind of my th- my first professional job, and I remember hearing the weekly um, amount I was going to get paid, and multiplying that by three. Because it was three weeks and thinking, wow, like that's the <laughs> that's the fee for this gig. And it seemed like a fortune. <laughs> and I was so happy. We rehearsed at the Citizens Theatre. And at the time, I was living in Deniston. And I was able to walk across Glasgow Green to the sits. Um, and I just, yeah, I just thought I'd made it. I was just walking across. And it was autumn as well. So it was like overcoat and scarf marching across Glasgow Green to, to the theatre to rehearse and, and that's all I'd ever really wanted um, and I got it and uh, for, for a while there I was in my element and I suppose I still am in my element um, it's got a wee bit more complicated because I'm trying to do it all the time um, and keep it up but I still love it just as much and I'm still just as excited to get a job so yeah Wonderful. Great memories. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about that on the show. But anyway, seeing as I'm away, I thought I can talk about whatever I want because I'm not here to sort of slap my wrist and say, hey, get on with it. Um, Brian's not really here, so we can. it's kind of like last day at school. Bring in games, you know, just have a carry on, wear your own clothes. Um, so yeah, Stress Down Friday. Thanks very much for joining me and thanks for coming along and listening to this episode with Susie Armitage. It was a pleasure to record it and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And I'll go back now to my holiday slash work trip And uh, next week, I'm bringing you the 100th episode of Putting It Together with Janie Godley. So same time, same place next week. Come along and join us. And if you were there on the night, it's a chance to relive the whole wonderful experience. And if you weren't, well, then you get to be part of it uh, slightly after the fact. It's the 100th episode. And that's next week here on Putting It Together. Until then, I'll just say the usual. Cheerio now.